first you see the Democratic leaders come out. They met with the president and they proclaimed that, well, we're working on Ukraine. Uh, One of them said, um, let's talk about borders. And then they said Ukraine's borders. They like caught themselves like, oh, no, we don't want to talk about America's borders. Let's focus all on Ukraine's borders, that Ukraine is the priority. Now, I'm a big believer in the need to support Ukraine and to fight Russia, especially, which is definitely a threat in terms of not just Ukraine, but you look at Russia, China, Iran, all of that stuff. But boy, it felt like alternate universe. They barely mentioned the border. And all they kept doing when they walked out was they were saying things like, well, um, you know, that... We're going to work on these things. We're going to focus on these things. Um, We're going to get to the border and we're going to keep talking about the Senate bill. Well, the Senate bill that is on the table before, at least it was a couple months ago, now it's been thrown out, it allowed for 5,000 people a day to cross our southern border. How is that fixing the border? Shame on even the Republicans in the Senate that were considering it. That was atrocious. So then after the Democrats do the little spiel at the White House, well, then Speaker Mike Johnson comes out and he comes out and says, you know what? Uh, Yeah, we want to try to help Ukraine. We want to figure out these deals for funding because that's the big issue about funding the government, but also getting funds for Israel, also Ukraine, uh, Taiwan. There's a number of things. But he said, we also got to talk about our border, and we're not going to agree to that lousy package that the Senate wanted. It's ridiculous. So it didn't sound like they made any headway whatsoever. But listen to what Mike Johnson said. And if you listen to some of the liberal media tonight, some people on the liberal media made it sound like uh, Speaker Mike Johnson was on drugs or something, that he cared about America, that he kept talking about America. Listen to what he said when he left the White House, and I think he's spot on. Take a listen. Here it is. Let me say this. When I showed up today, my purpose was to express what I believe is the obvious truth, and that is that we must take care of America's needs first. When you talk about America's needs, you have to talk first about our open border. I've been, I believe, in uh, maybe 20-something states over the last several weeks, going around the country, uh, appearing at events with my colleagues. And we're hearing from the American people of all parties and all persuasions and all cities and all states who feel this acutely. They understand the catastrophe at the border is affecting everyone. And it is top of mind for all the American people for that reason. So I brought that issue up repeatedly today in that room and and again one-on-one with the president. I think that's our responsibility. So I think that is spot on. And yet the progressive media was like, well, why isn't he accepting? It's this whole spin deal that you can see where Democrats are going. Now some of them are coming and saying, well, you know what? Uh, Yeah, I was, you know, campaigning on Sanctuary City, but now I'm not so sure if it's the right idea or I wasn't really campaigning, even though I said those words and they're all over on videotape. Uh, I actually think we need to secure the border. It's like they're talking out of both sides of their mouth. And at least Speaker Johnson seems to be consistent that he cares about our southern border. And so I find it just incredible that President Joe Biden is going to go down there on Thursday. And his plan is to go to Brownsville, where, by the way, they haven't had that many crossings of late because they have a lot of fencing and a whole bunch of other steps. And they know that certain areas of Texas 
are much more protected than others. That's one of the ones with very few in terms of passings of late. So why is he going there? Well, he's going to go and say, boy, there's not that much to see. Let's go home. Things are great. Meanwhile, President Trump on Thursday is going to go down there. And he is actually going to Eagle Pass, where there have been still a lot of crossings, because he actually wants to talk about what is happening at the border and not provide smokes and mirrors. And speaking of lots of smokes and lots of mirrors, boy, did I hear one today, guys. And I can't wait to get your thoughts on this, too. I thought Fannie Willis was just a, a great actress. I really did. I thought she deserves like an Academy Award. I'm telling you. And then Nathan Wade, her lover, the guy who gets up, this is the Fulton County DA and the special prosecutor she appoints, who is going after Trump, the guy who doesn't have a lot of experience in it and got paid a lot more. And yeah, they had a relationship. But the big issue is when did the relationship start? Was he in a relationship with her before she appointed him? That's the big deal. And not just that. Did they lie under oath? Because they testified recently, they both did, that it started after Nathan Wade was hired by Fannie Willis. And after they got, you know, they started working the case, then the spark started to fly. That's their story. Most people don't believe them. I certainly, my opinion, I don't believe them. Because if you listen to the story and the background, and now there's all these cell phone records. Remember that show, A Whole Other Story that show that suddenly there were 12,000 text messages uh, within a year's time at the time where they said there was no relationship and apparently thousands of phone calls right by her condo into the wee hours of the morning. What, did he just happen to be uh, driving by 2,000 times? I mean, that is just ridiculous. I, I mean, it's just, it's totally unbelievable. So today... The attorney for Nathan Wade was forced to be on the stand. Now, he he said that Nathan Wade told him there was a relationship with him and Fannie Willis. So that's interesting. The judge ruled it wasn't covered by attorney-client privilege and that he had to testify about it. And if I thought that, like, other people have been evasive, this guy gets the evasive acting ward of the century. This guy was so incredible when he got up there today. I have never seen somebody, he goes into detail, like, when did Nathan Wade, where did he tell you this, right? And he says, well, he told me this in a back room. It was just the two of us. It was behind my office. I was waiting for him to say I was wearing a red shirt. Nate was wearing a blue tie. His third hair was to the right. The other hair was to the left. The sun was shining. It was 11.02.30, right? I mean, but I'm being facetious. But he was very specific as to when he, the circumstance of when he claims his client, Nathan Wade, told him about the relationship that he had with Fannie Willis. Then the big question is, what time, when did he tell you that? Did he tell you that, you know, after she appointed him? Do you know exactly at what point it was when He told you this information because that would show that they're lying under oath if it turned out that it was not after, you know, that it wasn't after he got hired, Nathan Wade, that they were indeed maybe having an affair well before, which I believe is the case. And I think this Terrence Bradley believes that, too, and I think he was told it. But he certainly didn't want to say it under oath today because he knows the minute he says it, 
He's apparently friends with Wade, or at least he was at the time. They have lots of mutual friends. They live in the community. And I don't think I've ever seen somebody sweat like this guy on the stand today. Nathan Wade last week was sweating like it was like like a small river, you know, like maybe Mianus River in Stanford, Connecticut, right? Today, it was the Nile River.